So our thoughts create our reality. And, you know, everyone brings to life a different perspective. Um, We've got total control over our perspective, yeah? So it's taking responsibility for your thoughts and, and your beliefs. On this episode of my podcast, Relentless Life on Your Terms, Season 3, I sit down with Andrew Rook, who is an associate director to a big fintech company who lost his passion and started two consulting businesses, helping high-performance executives with their health and emotional intelligence. This is one great episode with heaps of good takeaways. Thank you. Welcome, and on this episode of my podcast, Relentless, Andrew Rook joins me. Andrew, how are you? Yeah, good, thanks, Chris. Yourself? Very good. good. Andrew's CEO of two different businesses. Tell us about those businesses, Andrew. Yeah, thanks, Chris. It's lovely to be here. So, yeah, two different businesses. One's a high-performance coaching business. I help executives and board members with uh, performance. And the other's the Emotional Intelligence Lab. Um, and myself and my business partner specialise in emotional intelligence uh, in an organisational context. Uh, and in the personal context as well, Chris. For those who um, are listening, what is emotional intelligence? Yeah, so emotional intelligence is the ability to understand and use our emotions effectively. So, you know, emotions are the way we experience our lives. Um, emotions help us with our judgment. Emotions help us with our critical thinking. And so it's basically being amazing at using your emotions to your advantage, Chris. And it's so important how people, because we talk a lot about intelligence, but emotional intelligence is a totally different element. And you see a lot of great executives that can control their emotions, their thoughts. When they have difficult conversations, they always maintain their level of emotion so they can always think of the more strategic thing to say. Is there something you find that people don't have high emotional intelligence? Is it something you need to train? Can you have it? Or what do you feel? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, some people have it uh, and it definitely can be trained. So that's, that's the beauty of it. And really, you know, most people get to the top with their intelligence. And the thing that keeps them at the top and keeps them evolving as human beings is their emotional fitness and emotional intelligence. And how, do, how does that help in an executive level? It's to be able to have tough conversations, it's to be able to guide someone to the next level. What do you think the critical parts of having a high an EQ is, EIQ, isn't it? Emotional intelligence? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Spot on the money. So interpersonal skills is where it's at. You know, you're leading a large team, you're building a culture, you want to motivate, you want to drive performance. And that all happens through an emotional lens. You know, logic can get us so far, uh, but the emotions are really really what drives and motivates uh, and inspires teams to perform. And so at that leadership level, it's critical to set a vision that people can emotionally connect to. And then that inspires your teams to really lift uh, and perform at that next level. And I'd like to step back a bit because Obviously, this decision required emotional intelligence. You were in the corporate sector for quite some time, weren't you? Yeah, what absolutely. Were you doing? Yeah, so I was an executive in a, of a fintech firm three years ago now. Yeah. Uh, had 800 people uh, reporting into me all over the world. Um, had a parent company in the US, major clients in the UK, uh, and employees spread across India, China, UK, Australia. So it was straddling all 24 hours of the time zone, um, Chris. And, you know, what got me to that seat was my intelligence logic, rationality, uh, and I didn't really have uh, the emotional intelligence that I needed uh, to manage the complexities of that environment. You know, the number of people, the different competing priorities, client demands, demands from the parent company. Uh, it's, it started to overwhelm me and burn me out, to be perfectly honest, and, and I lost my joy for the role. Um, I, I was loving the role when I first started, but in the end, I got burnt out and I decided that really a, a change was in order for me to get my lifestyle uh, back in balance. 
And that was really when I first started to recognise the role of my emotions and the role that they were playing in my career and also at home. And, you know, I'm fortunate now that looking back over the past three years, it's a skill that I've really been able to learn and grow into and develop. And I see in my clients day in, day out, that that is the skill that really changes the game for them too. I'm really interested in when you said mm. that because you acknowledged that A, you were burnt out. Mm. So these, these acknowledgements need a lot of emotional intelligence to do so. Right. I beg to differ when you said you didn't. Obviously, you had some element of it, or a big element of it. And then obviously, you thought, my heart and passion's not there. Yeah. And what you shared with me, I'd like you to share with my audience, mm. how did you find what your next move was? Because a lot of people are in limbo, they're at a job they don't like. I don't really want to wake up, oh, another eight hours today, is it Monday, is it Tuesday? Yeah. For me, I'm very fortunate. I love what I do. I can do 10, 12, 15, 20 hours a day. I absolutely mm. love it. I can go home. But not many people have that luxury to find that. How did you find it? How did you retrace your steps? Yeah, Because that really intrigued me and I love that story. Thanks, Chris. And I love that you found what you love. And it shows through you know, this podcast and all that you do. So really fortunate to be here with you. Um, yeah, for me, I was a type A high achiever. And when I got exhausted, really what I had to do was step back and say, you know, what, what's my big why? What's, what's my purpose? Um, because my purpose had evolved, you know, beyond just being an executive. Which is okay to change that because purposes yeah. evolve. Yeah, yeah purposes evolve. The reasons evolve. why you get up evolve. Absolutely. And, you know, what I did was I went back, and, and I do this with my clients all the time, I went back to a time where I was really happy and in flow. I love that, by the way. Yeah, yeah. yeah, flow is, is the name of the game. Though? And it was actually quite young for me. You know, it was, it was sort of around the 10, 12 age. And I noticed that it was when I was playing a lot. You know, I had a great role model in my, my father, played a lot of sport when I was young, um, just curious about everything in the world. And, and that's fundamental to creating passion. Curiosity? Curiosity is fundamental to creating passion. Yeah, absolutely. And so I went back and I looked at what was I curious about? What was I passionate about? And then what was the way that I expressed that passion? And for me, it was really about connecting with other people, um, coaching, teaching, learning in groups. Uh, and so I knew it was something in that coaching. And that brought you back to when you were 12 years old. Brought me back to when I was 12 And you actually had those memories to say it was when yeah. I was 12. Yeah, totally. Wow. And so that archetype of the coach, if you like, you know, an archetype's a pattern a pattern of a role that um, really inspires you. I knew that it was in that coaching, teaching. To pass um, on information to aspire yeah, to help get. Yeah, help, help people with well. their, yeah, totally. But really a focus rather than being just on myself, uh, being a focus where I could help other people. And the transmission of that help uh, through the coaching is really where I found you know my zone, my flow. And uh, I love doing it. And much like you, uh, every day, I don't feel as though I'm going to work. I wake up and I look at which clients I'm meeting today and what problems and goals and challenges they bring to the table and I'm pretty, pretty excited and inspired to help them uh, on their journey. Yeah. But I guess what a lot of people do is they stick into a, a mundane job or something that they enjoy. To have that intelligence to say, you know what, I'm done here, mm. I want to take that next step and I have no doubt you're obviously on a good income back then, you're a high right. achiever. I'm not saying you're not now, but yeah. I'm saying you had to let all that go. Yeah. To start a business which is going from to that Yep, but to have that passion to get up and go, uh, it's it, it takes as as we said before, motion time, but also a lot of guts oh, to say, I'm packing in my income. I'm gonna try something new. Let's give it a go. But obviously, you can see with the passion that people do. I think it's the only way to do ten or twelve or fifteen hours at anything that you do. Totally, yeah, and also the passion drives the courage. You know, you hear a lot of people talking about courage. 
you know, for me, the courage to leave that secure uh, role, uh, high paid role, and go basically from there to zero, uh, it needed the passion behind it, you know, because it needed to be sustainable. No one's an overnight success. To be resilient and not quit. Yeah, totally, totally. And everyone fails, you know, and, and I know a lot of people talk about this, but, you know, the first three or four months in my business, I struggled to find my feet. And, you know, I learned to accept failure early on. And, uh, but keep trying, keep trying new things, keep connecting with people, keep opening doors with, for conversations. You work with people around the world. Yeah, around and the world. Yeah. Do, you, do, you know, do you know one of them? Just give me one example that they haven't failed before. Not yet. And I don't think you're ever gonna find one. I think yeah. the highest achievers probably fail the most as well. Yeah, totally. They get back on the horse. They get back on the get, horse. Why, so why, why, do you think, why do you think that is? It doesn't bother them as much. They can they can just keep getting up. They're more resilient. Yeah. What are the key factors? Why does someone a, say I'm going to keep going? Yeah, I think it's an inner belief. And for me, it's I want to get the best out of my life. You know, in a physical sense, we're here for one life. We've got 80 years, or give or take 10. Uh, and I want to maximise that life. And uh, part of that's having a great life for myself. And part of that's also providing a great life for my family and my friends and the people that I connect with. So yeah, that's what really drives me, maximizing the quality of life and quality of time that I that I have here, Chris. And something I talk about a lot, and I know that you must do a lot, is goal setting. Yep. How important is goal setting? And is this something you cover with every single client? And if so, tell us a little about some effective ways to goal set. Yeah, for sure. I think goals are really important in the context of um, we've got to have something to aim at. So I like to use, <coughs> excuse me, I like to use an example of an archer. In life, we've got a bunch of different decisions to make. We make decisions every minute of the day. And the archer's got a bow drawn. And pretty much we can shoot that bow in any direction we like, right? But the real art of decision making is collapsing that choice and making a decision. So clarity? Clarity, yeah, absolute clarity. And goals give clarity. Um, what I like to do before I set goals though is really tap into a client's value system. Yeah, because our values are our emotional states that we seek out on a daily basis. And our values are what gives us intrinsic motivation. So that's, that's what allows us to be who we are. To keep going. And to keep going, yeah. And sometimes people fall short of their external goals and they get discouraged and they find it difficult to get back on the horse. But if you know that you're internally motivated, you're internally lit up, irrespective of that goal that's outside of you, you'll keep going. And so it starts with values for me, and then we get clarity on specific goals. So values, basically the core fundamentals to why you're doing something. Totally. Because your purpose can change at time. Yeah. Your why might not change, but your purpose as you're getting older, I want to have a family. Yeah, I want to totally. build wealth. I yeah. want my kids to go to a certain school. They can always change. Yeah, totally. And you know what I'd say to your listeners is, uh, don't get hung up on having one purpose. You know, because we have multiple purposes in life. And like you said, they can change. And I see a lot of people trying to find their one thing. Um, really what it's all about is flowing with your values. So knowing what's important to you and flowing and letting your life evolve. I've mentioned that quite a few times mm. in our conversation. So I guess if you flow, it allows you the ability to change, mm -hmm. but it also keeps you motivated to keep moving forward to whatever that case may be. Because as we yeah, get older, totally. our priorities change. Our yeah. life changes. I know for myself it did. I mean. I've got four kids, now my priority's changing. Now I'm starting to focus back on my health. We discussed yeah. how health is so important because it doesn't matter how effective you are. If you haven't got your health, you haven't got much. Now you mentioned three, four mm. key pillars to me. Mm. What were those key pillars? Yeah, so 
having a healthy mindset is really important. So our thoughts create our reality. That's so and, true. And, you know, everyone brings to life a different perspective. Um, we've got total control over our perspective, yeah? So it's taking responsibility for your thoughts and, and your beliefs. Uh, so we do a lot of work on, on mindset. Uh, emotional intelligence we've covered also. Uh, that's, that's the second pillar. Um, physical and biological health supports our mental health and our emotional health. And so physiological health, having boundless energy, you know, is great to bring to your passion and pursuits. You know, you work massive days and you wouldn't be able to do that if you didn't have the energy to do that. And so physiology is really important too. And having a compass that you're pointing to uh, is really important. So clarity on purpose? Clarity on purpose. And, you know, really those four things in combination give us a sense of inner peace and performance in life. What are some of the commonalities you found in some of the high executives you work with around the world? What yeah. are some of the commonalities in terms of achievement yeah. or commonalities in terms of areas that they need to evolve in or work on? Yeah, evolving, yeah, for sure. So, I mean, they've all achieved in a career sense. You know, I mean, that's, that's clear. To sit in that seat. Interesting. You know, it's, it's an incredible achievement. And a lot of people, they're, they're on the treadmill, they're climbing the ladder, and they don't stop to actually reflect on what they've achieved. And that's number one. Um, I see a lot of executives that just lose a sense of themselves in the process, yeah? And, you know, a lot of my executives come with self-esteem problems, um, problems in terms of taking full responsibility. Uh, I think the way the modern corporate environment uh, has evolved. What do you mean by taking full responsibility? Yeah, well, you know, a lot is on the leader's shoulders today. And there's a lot on, on various social media platforms and podcasts and about how to be a leader and what you should do and what you shouldn't do. And it, I, I, find, I find it to be really confusing. It's very subjective too, yeah, because everyone's subjective. style is different. Yeah. You so can I'm, have good tips, but everyone's different. Yeah, totally. And the context or the environment that they're leading in is also completely different. Got different uh, team. Different team. Dif- different coaches. Yeah. That's different exactly, resources. That's exactly That's right. That's a very good point. Not many people see that. Yeah. And you it, might and have a winning team. And I think a lot of leaders, they judge themselves constantly against this external benchmark that in some ways is not, not real. Uh, and so I always bring them back to themselves and ask them how would they know whether they're doing a good job or not. I judge myself a lot yeah. against myself a year ago. Against yourself a year ago. And or, that's, or, or that's ahead awesome. Of time. Yeah, and you're looking for that progressive improvement, right? Of course, you yeah. have to. And you're judging yourself. You're not relying on other people's judgment of you to have a happy life. No. And that's a big difference. Yeah? I see a lot of people outsource their happiness to others and how others perceive them. And so we do a lot of work to make sure that you know, uh, the executives and board members that I work, work with take full responsibility for everything that happens in their life. So at work and at home. You're at work and at home. And you can't separate the two. As much as we want to, we can't separate. Because people talk about work-life balance, we talk about work-life choices. Because for me, sometimes I do find I disappear within my work, Mm. but that's when my wife tells me, hey, you need to be home as well. And although it's never going to be even in terms of hours spent because I'm very work heavy, Mm. as long as I'm present and have a balance of being here and being there, it works for me. And like you said, is there one magic silver bullet? No. No, everyone's got to find their own path. Yeah, and you know, every family is different too. 
Family needs are different. Everyone has a different internal family system. Different purpose. Different, different roles within the family too. You know, I know me and my wife, we, we sat down at the start of the year and we looked at the roles we play in the home environment and what we were doing on the business front and we changed some things up. You know, I wanted to contribute more to the house um, and help her with, uh, you know, her, her roles. And so we changed it up and it's working really well. And that's something we do on a regular basis. You know, every six months we'll sit down together as a team and we'll look at what roles we're playing in different contexts. Again, that's emotional intelligence that's though. emotional to intelligence. To have the ability to have that conversation yeah. without lifting your back up. Yeah, and you know, my wife's got um, different values to me and you know, she wants to pursue uh, her, most, her most amazing life. And if I can support her and we can align our values, that's when the family team just thrives. Yeah. It's about playing your, your position to the best strength. Playing your positions to the best strength. Yeah, totally. I guess it's a, it's a team effort. So yeah. let me ask, you've been around a lot of good executives. Do you remember one key course or book that you've read that's really impacted your career? Yeah, so the book for me is The Alchemist. Yeah, the book for me is The Alchemist. And I actually got that book when I was 20 years old. I was working at Prosswood Coopers. Um, one, of my, one of my great friends uh, gave that to me. And really, you know, I know a lot of people would have read The Alchemist, but basically the central tenet of it is, is it's all, life is all about the journey and enjoying the experience of the journey. You know, when we go to a concert, we don't go for the end. We go for the, how the concert unfolds and we go for the experience of being part of the crowd and listening to the music. And it's much the same with life. It's all about the journey, Chris, I think. That's a concept I've, I've never really grasped. I'm starting to understand now. Yeah. Everything I do, and my wife's helping me understand this funny enough, is about yeah. the result. It's about the end. It's about the next level. I've, it's something that now that I'm close to 42 that I'm starting to understand. It's awesome. I've never understood it before. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, you know, we, we have rocks in the way of our goals. You know, and it's like Bruce Lee says, be like water. You know, the water will flow around the rocks. Oh, yeah. You know, it's a great quote, isn't it? Yeah. Be fluid and like water. Be fluid. And that fluidity gives us a resilience. And we're enjoying the journey as we travel down the riverbed. Um, and we will hit the goal because our values are aligned in that direction. Uh, and it just enables us to, uh, to enjoy the journey. So the first thing when you look at it, when you speak to an executive or a high performer or someone in the C-suite, whatever, hmm. you, what's the first thing you look for? First thing that I look for in yep. executives? Well, first thing I look for is how I can be of service to them. You know, I, I want to know what their goals are, what their challenges are, what the problems are in front of them right now. And, you know, I, re I really want to know how I can be a part of helping them overcome those problems and step towards the goals. And that's the first thing that I always look for. Okay, now I was going to ask you a couple last questions as well before we go to our, our minute. If any of our audience wants to get in touch with you, because we haven't got a long time, you can cover it. We can yeah, sit here for, for hours sure. talking, Andrew. For sure. Um, how do they get in touch with you? Yeah, so two ways. Um, Andrew at andrewrook.com. Uh, reach out, send me an email. I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, so you can reach me there. And the Emotional Intelligence Lab, www.theeilab.com.au. Uh, jump on our website. There's heaps to download there, freebies for you. Um, we've got a book on high-performance leadership using your emotions. That's a, a pretty cool download. I encourage you to look at that. Uh, yeah, there's, you can leave, uh, leave a message for us on that website too. Excellent. Now, you ready for your fast minute? For sure. Let's go. <laughs> now, I already know this one. Your favourite book? Yeah, The Alchemist. There you go. <laughs> if you had one magic stick, 
which are three things you could change in the world, what would you change? Well, I'd change one thing, and that'd be tolerance. You know, if we all had tolerance, the world would be a far better place. Yep, that's one, three things. Mm -hmm. Tolerance. (laughs) Joy. Yep. Yeah, and peace. Okay. Quality of life or quantity of life? Both. Yeah. I said that into two. uh, But uh, quality over quantity, but I'm shooting for both, Chris. Of course, why Sydney? You've only got one life. One strange fact no one knows about you? Uh, I'm a biohacker. Uh, so I'm Biohacker? Yeah, biohacker. So I hack my biology. Uh, and to the, the question of quantity or quality, uh, I'm going for both. So I look at biological interventions that can help me be as healthy as possible because our health is our foundations for our relationships and our wealth in life. Uh, and if we don't have our health, we don't have anything. So that's one thing I'm really passionate about. And one thing I do every day. What's a new technology that will transform the future, do you feel? Uh, I think humans will transform the future. Um, You know, AI will play a big role. Um, Robotics will play a big role. Um, You know, I'm familiar with all that space. But at the end of the day, humans have intelligences that machines will never have. And people have got to recognise that, you know, when we tap our full human intelligence, we can do things that no machine can do. So. Very interesting conversation. Jack Ma was talking with Elon Musk. Jack Ma believes humans will, will be the future. Elon Musk believes uh, robotics is very interesting. Yeah, favorite yeah. food? Is that favorite food? I really like my ro- local red duck curry, if I'm perfectly honest. Yeah, it's, you know, the lychees and the pineapple are amazing. <laughs> now, we've had some, a lot of great, uh, great takeaways in this podcast. If you told our listeners three key takeaways to take, what would they be? Three key takeaways. Uh, Take responsibility for everything in your own life. Um, Focus on what you can control uh, and let go of what you can't control. And raise yourself up above the level of today's conversation. You know, there's a lot of polarity in today's conversation, a lot of of misinformation and, and a lot of anger in society today. And I think raising yourself above that conversation and becoming tolerant and becoming aware of diverse perspectives and accepting of that uh, just actually gives you a sense of groundedness and inner harmony with yourself. And peacefulness, I agree. And peace. On a scale from one to 10, how much have you enjoyed this podcast? I love it. 10. There you go. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much for listening for another great episode of Relentless Life on Your Terms. Andrew Rook, we appreciate your time. Thank you, sir. Appreciate yours. Thank you very much.